Eat. Sleep. Links. Repeat. Boom, let's party! Is your brain big enough? Welcome. This is the Atari Lynx Handicast. This is episode 01, Blue Lightning. And, here now, is your host, Mark Little. Thank you, Monty. Hello and welcome to the Atari Lynx Handicast. This is episode 01, part number PA2020, Blue Lightning by Atari. Developed by Epix Games, the original designer of the handy game system. First of all, before I start, I'd like to uh, thank everybody who provided some feedback about Episode 00, Love of Links, which was the introductory episode of the podcast. I really appreciate it. Any kind of feedback that you can give me, positive or negative, whether it's about a game or whether it's about the podcast itself, is greatly appreciated. I really hope that you'll continue to do that. In that regard, uh, nobody actually called me out on this, but I discovered it. I have an errata from that episode Uh, I actually said that the size of the Atari Lynx ROM carts was 128, 256, and 512 megabytes, when actually it should be kilobytes. But it was just a factor of a thousand that I was off by, so please forgive me. Before I begin talking about today's game, I'd like to go over a little bit of uh, sad news for us. Looks like Toys R Us is closing between 170 and 180 of its stores by April of this year. Uh, They're filing for a Chapter 11 bankruptcy. I actually did that last year. And uh, they're just reorganizing. Now, that still leaves, I think, about 500 stores left in the country, maybe a little bit more. Uh, So they're not going away. But I have a special place in my heart for Toys R Us because I worked there from 84 to 88 in the security department. Security department was the computer and game system department of the store. I remember very clearly working in that big plexiglass room at the front of the store where you'd take your receipt to pick up the software or hardware uh, that you had just purchased. So that experience also introduced me to the Atari 2600, which was the first game system I had any kind of experience with. And although the Lynx didn't come out until a year after I left, I had heard a little bit about it, as I alluded to in episode 00. Uh, So it's kind of sad to see them go. I wish them good luck. I haven't been into the store that I worked in since 15 years ago. I think I took my wife in there right after we got married. And, uh, of course, the store looked very different at the time I went in. It was bigger. uh, Everything had moved. Uh, The security department, of course, was very different at that point, if it still existed. But I thought I'd bring that up as just a point of uh, remembrance for me. Because it is sad to see it go, uh, especially the store that I worked in. So, just something to think about today. I don't want to grow up, find a toys for us kids. They got a million toys and toys for us that I can play with. I don't want to grow up, I'm a toys for us kids. They got the best for so much as you really flip your lid. From bikes to trains to video games, it's 
statistics. Okay, let's move on to today's game, Blue Lightning. Blue Lightning is a 128 kilobyte stereo cartridge available in all three cartridge variations, flat, ridged, and curved lip. It was released by Atari in September of 1989. It was one of the five original launch titles for the Atari Lynx. The original retail price of the game was $39.99. It later went down in 1994 to $19.99. Uh, Blue Lightning is a first-person flight simulation aerial shooter for one player. The game does not make use of the Comlynx cable. It was inspired by the Sega, Sega arcade game Afterburner, which was released in 1987. Uh, the screen play field orientation is landscape, as are most of the Atari Lynx titles. Blue Lightning was also ported on September 21, 1995 to the Atari Jaguar as a CD-ROM. It was actually, in fact, a pack-in along with VidGrid for the new Jaguar CD system. The game was housed in a standard tab cardboard carton. It was available originally in a large box, 7 and 5 8 inches high by 5 and a half inches wide and 7 8 inches deep. Uh, later on, it was available in a regular size box, and those boxes are 5 and 3 eighths inches high by 4 and 3 eighths inches wide and 7 eighths inches deep. I have the larger box. Uh, the box actually on the front has uh, some very nice artwork of the Blue Lightning combat jet at the bottom of the box. It's pretty large. It's a twin-engine jet, and it's soaring towards the upper left-hand side of the box. At the very top left-hand side of the box uh, is another jet in the art that looks like it's a slightly different color, but it's still blue, and it's being chased by a missile that moves from lower right to upper left of the artwork. Across the top of the artwork are the stylized letters Blue Lightning in yellow font. Uh, looks like lightning font, if you kind of know what I mean by that. And of course at the top of the box is the Atari Lynx video game card logo, which is at the top of all the boxes. And along the right-hand side of the box is a gray band, which includes a stylized X, which came from the Lynx logo itself. This uh, band is actually present on almost all of the Atari Lynx cartons. On the back of the box, at the very top, again, a smaller version of the Atari Lynx video game card logo. Below that, the blue lightning stylized font in yellow. And below that is an actual screenshot from the game. Looks like the Blue Lightning combat jet is banking to the right and it's flying over water and shooting missiles and trying to avoid missiles. There are four paragraphs beneath that. Uh, I'll just read the first and the fourth paragraph. The first paragraph, The top secret Blue Lightning combat jet has never been tested. The jet was still in the early stages of development when this war broke out. Now the Allies are losing and the Pentagon is desperate. And the fourth paragraph, can you penetrate enemy territory and successfully complete nine crucial missions? If you can, the Allies will win the war and you'll be the hero. If you fail, the enemy will win and no one will ever remember your name. That actually sounds rather ominous. At the very bottom of the box is the Atari copyright information. It says copyright 1989 Epics Incorporated and below that copyright 1989 Atari Corporation Sunnyvale California 94086 all rights reserved and then below that printed in USA and then on the lower right hand side of the box is the logo for the FBI and above that logo the phrase winners don't use drugs and below that the name William S. Sessions Director FBI I'm not sure what Atari had going on with the FBI at this point it may have been a trade-off for some of the criticism that some of the video games were getting for their violence 
or their promotion supposedly of drug abuse by teens. Some of the screenshots in the games actually include the phrase, winners don't use drugs, William S. Sessions, director FBI, actually within the game itself. So I'll have to find out more about that. Let's talk a little bit about the manual. Uh, the manual is a stapled 12-page booklet in monochrome. Uh, it was available originally in a larger booklet, which is what I have, 6 and 5 eighths inches high by 4 and 3 quarters inches wide. Uh, it was available later in a regular size booklet, and those booklets are 4 and 7 eighths inches high by 3 and 3 quarters inches wide. My larger copy includes only English, but I imagine that some of the regular size booklets come in the other languages as well, as many of the Atari Lynx booklets did. Uh, the front of the booklet looks exactly like the box, only it's in monochrome. And the back of the book has just the Atari copyright information. Inside the book, uh, the first page actually says, On the Wings of Lightning. And then it has the same four paragraphs as the back of the carton. Page two says, Getting Started, and describes how you should insert the cart, then turn the unit on. That continues on page three. Also on page three is playing the game with a stylized screenshot of the game telling you what the different parts of the screen look like. Page 4 actually talks a little bit about the D-pad and the buttons, describes your weapons. Page 5 describes how to use the missiles and the cannon, and also the afterburners and barrel rolls. Page 6 continues with the flight computer instructions and how to use it. Pages 7 through 10 describe the missions. There are nine of them. Uh, mission 1 is the dogfight. Mission 2, bombing run. Mission 3, convoys. Mission 4, canyon run. Mission 5 is islands. Mission 6, courier. Mission 7, top secret. Mission 8, night run. And mission 9, battlefield. And page 11 actually lists some strategy. Gives you a few tips and hints. And page 12, which is the last page of the manual, tells you what your scoring is. For a missile, you get 200 points. Artillery, 350 points. If you shoot down a plane, it's 500 points. If you shoot up a tank, it's 750 points. Ships and subs are 750 points. And radar bases are 900 points. You gonna buy the same old game, boy? Atari Lynx, the portable video arcade. With the biggest screen for full-color attraction. Stereo sound and 16-bit action more and more games for total satisfaction. Lynx will blow you away. Lynx, more fun and games from Atari. Credits. Blue Lightning was developed by Epix Games, led by programmer Brian Bohe. It was produced by John Scrutch and Sean Patton. It was designed by R.J. Michael and Stephen H. Landrum. Michael, of course, as you'll recall, is one of the co-inventors of the Epic's Handy Game, which later became the Atari Lynx. The game was programmed by Stephen H. Landrum, with artwork by Arthur Ace Koch, and with music by Alex, or LX, Rudis, and Bob Vieira. Rudis actually worked on 12 different Atari Lynx games, including Gordo 106, Rampart, Gauntlet the Third Encounter, Hard Drivin', Clax, Ms. Pac-Man, Rampage, Shanghai, Electrocop, Chips Challenge, California Games, and of course, Blue Lightning. Bob Vieira worked on nine of the Lynx games, including Batman Returns, Checkered Flag, Warbirds, Gauntlet the Third Encounter, Rampage, California Games, Chips Challenge, Electrocop, and this game, Blue Lightning. Let's listen to that music right now, the opening in-game music to Blue Lightning.
playing the game. The gameplay for Blue Lightning is pretty simple. The insanely evil General Draco is spreading his own special blend of spite and chaos around the globe, and you are a top fighter pilot for the UN's Blue Lightning Squad. And you have to travel from continent to continent and end Draco's plans at each stop using your awesome flight skills. And you do that by completing nine different missions. Mission one is the dogfight where you fly through enemy lines destroying as many planes as possible. Mission two is the bombing run where you fly through enemy territory destroying tanks and ships. In mission three, you destroy enemy convoys by staying low and trying to avoid getting shot down. Mission four, the canyon run, that's a hard one for me. You fly through canyons destroying enemy tanks. Mission five are islands where you fly over enemy islands destroying radar installations and enemy warships. Mission six is the courier mission where you fly through enemy territory destroying anything you can and landing at airfields to deliver documents. Mission 7 is Top Secret, where you destroy radar installations, railroad cars, tanks, ships, and planes. Mission 8 is the Night Run, where you fly at night through enemy lines without firing to avoid being detected. And Mission 9 is the last one, the Battlefield, where you destroy enemy equipment without hitting allied equipment. Very difficult. I must tell you that I'm not very good at this game at all, but some of the missions are a little bit easier for me. On Cemetery Links games, you can link up four players. But there's only ever one winner. Atari Links, the portable video arcade. Reviews. I will say that most of the reviews of this game, both at the time of its release and since then, are pretty positive. Uh, most of them talk about the graphics and how amazing they were, especially for the time. I'd like to read excerpts from a few reviews that have been posted online. The first one will be from Keita Aida, who posted on the website Atari HQ. Here are a few things that Keita said. Blue Lightning is a straightforward first-person flight combat game along the lines of Afterburner and Star Fox in that it's a ride-on-rail shooter where the view of the action is from behind the aircraft. One of the best aspects of Blue Lightning, Keita says, has to do with its fantastic audiovisual effects. Graphics are top-notch, everything is drawn with great detail, and the Lynx's impressive hardware scaling capabilities are put to good use here. While the sound effects aren't as impressive, it's more advanced than most other Lynx titles out thus far. Complementing the game's pizzazz is its varied terrain. Some levels will have you flying over cornfields while you'll be going through canyons and others. Missions aren't quite as feature-rich. It's mostly a matter of destroying tanks or ground targets. Blue Lightning provides the perfect balance between strategy and action. There's no gimmicks in this game, just good, straightforward air combat action. Coupled with terrific graphics and tight controls, Blue Lightning should be on your short list of carts to get for the links. And Keita gives the rating of 9 for the game overall, including 9 for the gameplay and 8 for the graphics, with 7 for the sound. Another review I'd like to read a few excerpts from is by Gregory D. George, who posted on the Atari Times back in 2002. You weren't selected because you are the best. You were selected because you were expendable. I would submit to you that Blue Lightning for the Lynx actually has better graphics than Afterburner in the arcade. Certainly not in resolution, but the scaling on the Little Lynx must be seen to be believed. Watching the land zoom towards you as you rocket downwards is an awesome feeling. The animation of your plane, which is an F-18 Hornet in case you were wondering, is smooth and realistic. This is one large sprite on your Lynx screen. The missile you fire from your fighter is especially nice as the smoke trails out towards your intended target. The guns are a little lame, but I don't suppose that could have been helped much. 
Also, the explosion animation is good, but not spectacular. One of the best animated sequences is that of the crew running out onto the runway to service the fighter. These little guys look like silhouettes and move as smoothly as any person I've ever seen. Like most Atari games, there is no in-game music in Blue Lightning. But even though there is no in-game music, there is a great intro and tune complete with flashes of lightning and the jets flying around. Most of the sound effects consist of the targeting computers beeping, informing you of a lock, the roar of your engines, and the explosions of enemy planes and equipment. There is no voice in the game, which actually gets annoying in Afterburner, so I don't feel like I'm missing out on something with Blue Lightning. The missions in Blue Lightning are varied and creative. If you own a Lynx and you don't own a copy of Blue Lightning, you should be taken out and whipped. This is absolutely one of the best portable games you will ever play. I have to agree mostly with Gregory D. George in that review. I've got a few excerpts from the last review that I want to share with you. This is by Robert A. Jung, and it's a review that he posted in 1999 on IGN. He says, Sensational graphics and great gameplay highlight Atari's portable action hit. Blue Lightning for the Atari Lynx is a first-person air combat game in the afterburner tradition. The action is seen from directly behind your plane as it dives and banks through nine missions. A password at each stage allows you to start at later levels, and the game ends when you finish the ninth mission or use up all six lives. The only danger comes from collisions, crash into a tree, a canyon wall, or an incoming missile, and kiss another life goodbye. Blue Lightning strikes a perfect balance between respectable difficulty and reasonable gameplay. The action does not go at supersonic speeds, but proceeds at a brisk pace, and the result is that you never feel cheated from being destroyed by something too fast to be seen or overwhelmed by inhuman odds. The game starts off easy enough, but adds more threats at a gradual rate, and you're drawn completely into the action before long. If there is a flaw, it's that the missions are not varied enough, as many of the levels involve destroying various ground targets. To compensate, most stages add extra rules to complicate matters. For example, level 4 requires you to destroy tanks while traveling through a twisty canyon, and you cannot go high enough to fly over the rock walls. One major contribution to the appeal of Blue Lightning is the game's graphics. There's a lot of incredibly diverse stuff moving on screen at once. From the flight crew that preps the plane to the sheer number of terrain and targets to see, the game graphics never feel dull. Especially impressive are the dancing paths of the enemy's manta-like fighters and the graceful arcs left by the vapor trails of the missiles. The Lynx's sprite engine is heavily used, with specks on the horizon growing into hills and mesas and flatlands rendered with realistic disappearing perspectives. There aren't a lot of different game sounds, but each one is properly suited to its situation. The most persistent noise is the roar of the jet engines, which is punctuated by cannon fire, flying missiles, the warning beep of incoming attacks, and lots of explosions. The verdict? It's very refreshing to see a game that's a challenge without resorting to tricks and gimmicks. Success or failure in Blue Lightning is completely based on the player's skill, and the game is recommended for all action players. Though the levels could use a little more variety, the user-friendly gameplay and the sensational graphics make this title a Blue Ribbon winner. I agree with almost all of these reviews. It is a very good game. It's fun to watch. It's actually fun to play. I would say that the one more try aspect of the game is high. I'm not very good at it, but I've never been very good at flight simulator games. Still, I do pull this one out quite often to play, and I get a little better each time. On a five-star scale, which is what I'm going to use for this podcast, I would give Blue Lightning three stars out of five. Fun Facts 
A few fun facts about Blue Lightning. Uh, the rarity on Atari Age for the flat cart is 5, which means it's rare. For the ridged cart, it's 6, which is rare plus. The curved lip cart is 4, which means it's a scarce plus. And the demo cart, which is available, is a curved lip cart, which is 5, which means it's rare. Here are the level codes in case you want to jump ahead to a different mission. For mission 1, it's AAAA. For mission 2, it's PLAN, P-L-A-N. For mission 3, it's ALPHA, A-L-F-A. For mission 4, it's BELL, B-E-L-L. For mission 5, it's 9, N-I-N-E. For mission 6, it's LOCK, L-O-C-K. For mission 7, it's HAND, H-A-N-D. For mission 8, it's FLEA, F-L-E-A. And for mission 9, it's LIFE, L-I-F-E. Here's a runway hint that you can use when you're playing the game. You can land the plane upside down on any of the runways in level 6. If you fly as high as possible in level 7, you will see a runway in the sky at about the middle of the level. Also, Blue Lightning is one of the first titles Epic's programmed while designing the Lynx. Programmer Stephen H. Landrum was also one of the main programmers for Starpath, where he designed Suicide Mission, Dragon Stomper, and others for the Atari 2600. The Starpath rights were later purchased by Epix. And back in the days when you didn't have to turn off all the portable electronic equipment as the plane you were traveling on took off and landed, there was no better experience than playing Blue Lightning with your headphones on as you rumbled down the runway. By the way, Chuck Somerville came up with the name for the game. The Atari Lynx sound quality is so good, it makes every game seem more realistic. Atari Lynx, the portable video arcade. eBay prices. Okay, on to eBay prices for Blue Lightning. I won't be using any Game Gavel prices for this because apparently the Game Gavel site has been down since May of 2017, so I'll just be using eBay auctions over the last 90 days. For single loose cartridges of Blue Lightning, there were seven of them sold. They range in price from $5.99 to $15.99. Additionally, there were two sold, along with Link's two consoles. One sold at $50 and one sold at $127.01. The average price for a single loose cartridge of Blue Lightning on eBay was $11.92. For loose cartridges sold in lots, there were three lots sold over the last 90 days. They range in price from $9.95 to $74.25. Therefore, the average is $45.50. There was one cartridge manual combo sold in a lot, and that was at $52.50. There were four CIB copies, single, sold over the last 90 days. They range in price from $24.99 to $39.99 for an average of $30.28. And the special demo cart, which is a Rarity 5 I mentioned earlier. There were three of them sold, one at $19.95, one at $25.00 and one at $152.51, which was part of a lot with a Lynx 1 and other games and accessories. Listener feedback. I do have some listener feedback for this episode, and I really appreciate everybody who took the time to write or send an audio submission in. Really appreciate it. Uh, we'll start with Facebook. Uh, a couple of months ago, right before I was starting this podcast, I actually posted some pictures of my Atari Lynx collection as it stood at that time. Bobby Idod Moore actually posted some pictures in response to show what his collection looked like. And he said, My collection is a lot smaller, but I've got two different flashcards to ensure I can play everything released. Really looking forward to this podcast starting. 
And then Shinto of the Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast wrote back, Those little plastic Lynx game boxes look cool. As long as we're sharing, here's what I do for Lynx game storage. I bought a set of 2.5 inch coin storage sheets off of Amazon and put them in a three ring binder. The games slide in from the back and fit reasonably well, so long as you don't turn the binder upside down. I made a checklist for the front of the binder, which includes all of the released games as well as blanks for the number of Comlinks duplicates. And then I wrote back, What a great idea. Really wish I had thought of that. I'm too invested in using the Nintendo Game Boy boxes to change over now, but I must say that that is a really creative way to store and display your fantastic collection. And then I asked, I gotta ask, where did you get the Double Dragon cart? And Shinto wrote back, Toys R Us, I'm pretty sure, back when the game came out. It was either that or Babbage's. Those are the stores where I bought most of my Lynx games. In another posting, I wrote, I've come to a decision to do 72 twice-a-month episodes, one per game, rather than 36 monthly episodes with two games each. The time frame is still the same, 36 months or three years. And Bobby Idod Moore wrote back, I'm a fan of the single-game format. It makes life so much easier when going back to listen to a show about a specific game, much more focused. In another post, after I had already released episode 00, Love of Links, Bobby Idod Moore wrote on Facebook, Just finished listening. Hope the feeds are sorted soon. Really enjoyed listening and looking forward to regular episodes. Well done, you. And I wrote back, Thanks, Bobby. I really appreciate your feedback. I'm still working on the sync problems, and I hope to have those problems fixed by the weekend. Episode 1, Blue Lightning, will be out no later than February 19th. Thanks for listening. And then the last posting in Facebook was from Ricardo Pipas. He wrote, Great first episode. I look forward to the rest. I wrote back, Thanks, Ricardo. Should be a new episode this weekend. He wrote back, I am a new collector for the Lynx. I'm on about 25 carts, a McWill screen, and a Lynx 2. Would love to help out with the podcast if you ever need anything. And I wrote back, Thanks, Ricardo. Sounds like I'm only a little ahead of you, but I too still consider myself a newbie as a Lynx collector. Best way to help me right now would be to provide feedback and or memories that I can use on air. Either text or audio will do. In that spirit, if you have any opinions, memories, or feedback about the first game I'll be covering, Blue Lightning, please send it my way soon. And Ricardo wrote back, I sure will, buddy. Thanks for the reply. That's it for the Facebook feedback. On Atari Age, BS Zarek 001 wrote, I just finished up the wonderful McWill screen mod. I love this old system again. Next question is this. Does anyone know of a paint brand color that will match well to the paint used on the Lynx 1? I understand there is a method of taking it all apart, sanding it down, priming it, etc. But frankly, I'm looking for a player, not a showpiece. However, I do want to stop the chipping. Has anyone done this before and have a recommendation? Here's what I wrote back as Millipede Man. As it turns out, Shinto of the Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast recently addressed this very problem in an audio submission for the introductory episode of the Atari Lynx Handy Game podcast. His solution was to mix two paints together, testers number 1149 flat black and testers number 1163 flat gray. Hope this helps. And I told him how he could listen to the episode. He wrote back, Wow, Mark, thanks for the info. I don't know how you were able to pull that random data from the interwebs, but I really appreciate it. I've also subscribed to the podcast. It was pretty cool. I've got the paint ordered through Amazon, so I'll let you know how it turns out. Thanks for the tip. And I wrote back, didn't have to search for it at all. I had coincidentally uploaded that episode to my new podcast only a couple of weeks ago, 
and I remember Shinto's audio submission for the show. It was pure luck. Please let me know how it looks when you get the paints in, and Shinto says the colors are a very close match. Also on Atari Age, I got this from Kaiju. That's K-A-I-J-U. Hi, Mark. Just got done listening to the Handicast, and I have a few things I wanted to mention, maybe as a listener feedback, regardless if you read it on the air or not. First, let me say welcome, and thank you for your work this far. Now a bit about me. My earliest gaming memory is sitting in a smoky, dark apartment in Brooklyn, New York. My uncles, clutching a copy of Demon Attack for the 2600, in awe of the mecha space dinosaur, watching my uncle and brother play Laser Blast, taking turns and joking about scores. I was a young one, and when I finally got a chance to play, I'd normally die in one round and go back to watching them play. Yeah, I know what you mean. Especially on Demon Attack. That was one of my favorite games, but it's hard. This continued on every Sunday, the smell of my Nona's Sunday sauce and pasta coming from the kitchen and watching my uncle and brother play for years to come. From 2600 and Commodore 64 to the Master System, inevitably dying instantly when I get a pity turn. One day, I noticed in a Toys R Us flyer an ad for the Atari Lynx. Imagine, a tiny handheld real system. Mind you, I'd mess around with Tiger-type handhelds prior to that. That would be mine and all mine. I'd be the one playing, not watching. I could learn. I could improve. I mentioned it to my uncle, who, gratefully, got me a Lynx for Christmas that year. A couple of months later, on my birthday, my brother got me a Game Boy. Another handheld gamer was born. While I'm sure part of the reason my uncle got me the Lynx was so that I wouldn't bug them anymore for my turn, it was fine by me. I was playing, not watching. So began my lifelong obsession with all things handheld, and especially my beloved Lynx. These days I'm an executive chef, long work hours with some grueling frustration and repetitive yet magical work. Podcasts are a godsend. I gauge a podcast by how many times I stop what I'm doing to listen, or if the podcast just becomes background noise. I have to say your podcast made me stop a few times. I like that you don't claim to be a pro, lifelong collector with a minor in electronic engineering. You, like me, just really dig the links. If there was one criticism I'd have, is that the Handicast is a bit too heavy on musical breaks, intros, and dead air. If it was packed a bit tighter, it would flow just right. Maybe a bit less script and more you. It's always great to see a caster come out of their ferg, you know? Anyways, thanks again for the podcast, for keeping my links on people's minds, and for making our days better. Signed, Kaiju, or Tony M. Thank you, Tony, or Kaiju. I really appreciate your feedback. And I will certainly be considering your excellent suggestions. Hopefully you'll notice some difference in this episode. Finally, on Atari Age, I got this comment from TrekMD. He says, Hi Mark, thanks for creating this podcast. I've added a thread about it over at Retro Video Gamer Forum as well. And by the way, you'll find that link in the show notes. I'm an admin on that forum. I hope you don't mind promoting it there. Feel free to join the forum. Thanks, Eugenio. And by the way, I have already joined... I haven't been accepted yet, but I hope too soon. So thank you very much, Eugenio. I appreciate the feedback. On the Atari Lynx Handicast website feedback, I did receive a comment from Brian Cesarek. He said, Great episode. Your podcast was brought to my attention through AA. I just finished the McWill mod, and I am now trying to cure some chipping paint surfaces of my Lynx 1. I'm on Amazon right now getting two paints to mix together. Can't wait to try it out and see how close I can get it. Look forward to more episodes. And I responded, As I just responded to you on Atari Age, good luck with the paints, and please let me know how it looks when you get them in, or post pictures on Atari Age. I'll share them here on the podcast website if you'd like. Finally, I have another audio submission, this one from Shinto, again, from the excellent Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast. Let's listen. 
Man, Blue Lightning. Now that's a showcase title, if there ever was one. Let's see the Game Boy try to pull off something like this. I honestly don't know. Did the Game Boy have anything like this? Uh, the Game Gear might have been able to do something similar. The Master System had Afterburner, after all. Uh, but I think Blue Lightning looks a whole lot better than Afterburner. Even the short little intro with the credits, thoroughly impressive. Wow. As I mentioned in my last audio submission, Blue Lightning was the first game I saw both on TV in a Christmas special and in person in French class. The only game footage I remember about that Christmas special on TV was the part in the opening credits where you see the explosion and multiple Blue Lightning aircraft barrel rolling away. Just that one little clip. So while it was technically my first exposure to the Lynx, I didn't actually buy the game for a while. It was well later, I'm pretty sure. It's one of only two games in my collection in the flat style. I don't have any of the ridged ones, and all the rest are curved. I almost wonder how the engineers at Epix and Atari thought the flat style was a good idea. It really is difficult to extract from a Model 1 Lynx. Anyway, back to Blue Lightning. What impressed the crowd gathered around that kid's Lynx in French class was when he would fly through the clouds. But for me, what stuck with me the most were all the little details in the game. The tiny people fueling up your plane before a mission, the shadow that appears when you dive down to the ground just before leveling out, and the debris that rains down when you destroy an enemy aircraft. Raining debris is always much more satisfying than a simple poof-and-it's-gone type of explosion. I don't know what that says about the human condition, or maybe it's just me. I don't think it's just me. I played through all the missions back then. Uh, the ending was nothing to write home about, if I remember correctly. So I just sort of stopped playing the game after that. I did, however, read about, uh, well, it wasn't a cheat code, more of an Easter egg, maybe, that involves flying through one of the levels where you have a dense cluster of buttes and using your speed boost the whole way. The screen will show some messages about how crazy you are, you know, if you survive. And I think you get a bonus for that, too. I thought it was cool, so I did have to try that out. It's a game that I'll fire up when testing an emulator, like the one on my PSP or Raspberry Pi 3, or older than that, the Mednafen emulator running on my netbook on Linux. I also remember the Lynx display at Toys R Us running a Blue Lightning in demo mode. There's a self-playing demo cart ROM floating around the internet somewhere, and this is what I saw running in that store display, because it was inside a locked glass cabinet. Oh, that reminds me. One day, I was at Toys R Us checking out Lynx games, and I heard a mother and her two kids talking about what to buy, a Game Boy or a Game Gear. They were standing in front of this display case where the portable consoles were set out, and so I walked over to them and I said, I hate to intrude, but I have an Atari Lynx and really like it. I have two, in fact, since I was apparently counting my brothers as my own. The mother said, well, I guess that's something else to consider. So, either the Lynx just wasn't on their radar, which sounds like a distinct possibility, or they were actively after one of the other portable systems. But I kind of have a feeling it was the former. Blue Lightning might not be a game that I come back to often, or if I do, I don't even play through one complete level, but it's still a cool game. The, there's one thing I never understood, though. How does it fit in all those missiles? Thank you, Shinto, for that audio submission. I appreciate your memories about the links and especially about Blue Lightning. Uh, I like the fact that you addressed the flat style cart that it originally came out in. Yeah, I don't know what they were thinking when they came out with that. 
and the ridged cart is not much better. I'm so glad that the curved lip cart came out pretty early and they stuck with it through the end of the system's lifetime. Uh, one of the great pluses for the game, as you mentioned, was details. The ground crew coming out to the tarmac before and after the missions. I think that's just a great little detail that they put in there, as well as the shadows and the raining debris when you shoot down a plane. Oh yeah, I gotta love that. Maybe my human condition isn't that good if I really enjoy that. But if you're in the game to destroy a plane, then you gotta expect the raining debris. The crazy messages that you see when you do the speed boost through the canyons. I gotta say that I have not tried that out, but I will. Uh, one of the things that I think the game suffers from is not having a boss at the end. The game just kind of ends with a little congratulatory message and that's about it. I really like the memory that you brought in about Toys R Us and the mother with her two kids and the fact that she was looking for either a Game Boy or a Game Gear and that the links never apparently even occurred to her. So way to go there. I hope they made a sale with the links at that time. Uh, it certainly wasn't on my radar at the time and I worked at Target after I left Toys R Us in 88 and I worked in the electronics department. I don't remember the links ever being there at all. So I doubt Target ever even carried it. That's it. I really appreciate the audio submission. Thank you so much, Shinto. And for those who aren't aware, Shinto is the host of the excellent Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast. Please check it out. There is a link in the show notes. Finishing up. Well, that's it for this episode of the Atari Lynx Handicast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'd like to thank everybody who provided feedback and for listening. Coming up in the future on the Atari Lynx Handicast will be episode 02, Electrocop. Episode 03, Rampage. Episode 04, Gates of Zendokan. Episode 05, Gauntlet, The Third Encounter. And Episode 06, California Games. Leaving so soon? Thanks are in order for Game Chops at GameChops.com for graciously allowing the song Spider Dance by Holder to be used as the opening and closing theme music for the Atari Lynx Handicast. Thanks are also in order for the Free Music Archive, which allowed for the following songs and artists to be used in this episode of the Atari Lynx Handicast under the Creative Commons license. MT Fox Shop by Boxcat Games, Falcon Hood Tight by Poddington Bear, Hans in Luck by D. Yan Key, and Comedy by Jazar. I would also like to thank Ferg of the Atari 2600 Game by Game podcast, Shinto of the Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast, and Zerby of the many Zerbinator Land podcasts, including the excellent Please Stand By podcast. The help and inspiration that Ferg, Shinto, and Zerby have provided in my brief podcasting experience are invaluable to me, and I really appreciate it. Finally, I would also like to give my heartfelt thanks to my beautiful wife, Lizzie. She's put up with me in this strange podcasting thing with the patience of a saint, and I could never fully repay her, but I will definitely try. Nudge, nudge, snap, snap, grin, grin, wink, wink, say no more. Episodes of the Atari Lynx Handicast can be found on Apple Podcasts. Please take time to leave a review of the Atari Lynx Handicast on Apple Podcasts so that other interested listeners can easily find the Handicast. You can also find the Atari Lynx Handicast on Stitcher, on Google Play Music, and on TuneIn. While you're at it, 
Be sure to check out the Artaria Links Handicast website at artarialinkshandicast.net. All of the episodes can be found there, including show notes and a list of upcoming episodes. And you can visit the Artaria Links Handicast blog page at artarialinkshandicast.blogspot.com. Also, you can subscribe to the Artaria Links Handicast on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash Handicast. And you can follow the Artaria Links Handicast on Twitter. Just search on Twitter for Links Handicast. Finally, you can send Mark Little an email and let him know what you think about any episode of the Artaria Links Handicast. You can also provide your own feedback about any Artaria Links games. And you can even suggest future topics or possible interview subjects for future episodes. Or you can just simply say, hi. Just write to him at, mark, at, artarialinkshandicast.net. Thank you, for listening to this episode, of the Artaria Links Handicast. This is Montague Habersham, wishing you, a good evening. The Atari Lynx Handicast is made possible by a grant from the Telesearch Group and by the generous support of listeners like you. Thank you.